It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live, where we are joined today by the new, what's your title? David Jackson, the new BBC lead football presenter. Uh, you can call me that if you like. I mean, I am, um, I'm going to be presenting match day, match night, all the football for this season. So Colin Frey's carrying on commentating. Obviously, Chippers has gone to the other side of the world. So um, I'm taking over that from this season. I did the, the game on Saturday. And uh, so I'll be um, yeah, presenting all of the football on BBC Radio Nottingham for uh, the foreseeable. I mean, I kind of I, I do a bit of um, telly stuff as well on East Millers today, but I've been at Radio Nottingham for 20 years. Um, so uh, now I'll be doing that show. I've did match talk for 15 years uh, until a few years ago. And so now it's um, the football. And unfortunately, I've decided to take that job just at the point that I can't watch any football. But there we go. Well, I should have given you a lot more polished professional introduction, but uh, as you'll quickly learn, you're the professional broadcaster and I'm the blagger who just enjoys hosting a podcast. It was, it was already better than I'd expected, Matt. Don't worry. <laughs> well, thanks for joining us. We are streaming live on Facebook as normal. So um, if you want to drop some comments or questions in for David um, and myself, we'll answer one or two of those as we go on or just towards the back end of the show. Um are you the new Chippers, David? Do you take offence at that? I mean, how, how do you oh, feel? Listen, Chippers is the old me. Let's um, <laughs> let's be clear about that. No, I mean, I've obviously worked with Chippers the whole of the twenty years. So we were. Um, uh, he's kind of he's talked about going to Australia for so long because he, he loves it there, and so we were very pleased for him that he finally kind of made that step and uh, and decided to go to Australia because, you know, it, it's what he's wanted to do, and he's done this job for a long time. He joined us from Radio Essex in. I think 99 um, and then started presenting match day from the early 2000s when he took over from Alex Trelinsky. And, you know, we worked together, me, Robin and Colin, the three of us worked on that team for uh, pretty much that whole time. I've had little spells away doing other bits and bobs, but I've always come back to there um, as a as a local lad and a, uh, a keen broadcaster, nice to broadcast in, you know, in my own area and loved working with Robin and Colin that whole time. So it's kind of a, a bit of a natural progression for me to kind of be doing that job now it's obviously a show i've presented many times over the years i've worked with colin so closely all the time so we all you know we all know each other it's a, a more of a seamless transition so um yeah you know we'll we'll miss chippers but um the king is dead long live the king Matt. that's what we need to say is it a dream job for you though because i know when i was listening to radio nottingham you were commentating on mansfield town i think and then you've worked on midlands today a lot recently is it a dream job that you know you I've not eyed up for a long time because Chippers did it, but you know, it's an exciting opportunity, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, I, absolutely, it is. Yeah, because um, there's not many jobs where you get to have that level of um, uh, involvement in football as well and in local football that you know you love growing up, you know, supporting Forest, going to watch Forest, and um, uh, listening to Radio Nottingham. I, when I first started listening, it was Andrew James and, and Martin Fisher. And probably even a bit before that, Jeremy Nicholas and Mark Shardlow as well in the late 80s, early 90s. So I listened to all of that 
obviously Colin Slater was always the Notts County guy and Simon Mapletoft at, at Mansfield. So listening to those guys and being kind of thinking one day that's what I'd love to do, but never really thinking uh, I'd get a chance. So then getting a chance, going and doing uh, Mansfield first of all, as you said, which I did for eight years, um, reporting and commentating on Mansfield, which was just um, great fun, great to be involved at that club. I absolutely loved that club, made a great many friends there um, and had some ups and downs, got a Wembley trip um, when uh, Duncan Russell was in charge, although they lost to Darlington in a dreadful uh, trophy final, but a relegation in there as well. But great to be that closely involved in being a, a club correspondent in that sense. And then, yeah, to to be the presenter whenever I've had an opportunity to commentate on Notts County, replacing Colin Slater or commentating alongside Colin Slater and then and doing Forest and working with Colin Frey and getting to commentate on football matches with John McGovern, Steve Hard, Steve Sutton, Brian Laws, you know, these people who certainly the last three I was, you know, watching growing up as a, as a kid, you know, going down to Forest and seeing these players in action. So to get to sit alongside them in the commentary box at the back of the main stand and be commentating on games next to them and getting their opinions. And uh, that's uh, that's a real thrill. And so now to be presenting the show and having that level of creativity to and uh, freedom to put a show, a radio show together, to produce a radio show, to think what we want in it, and, uh, and then to sit there on a Saturday afternoon and be at the centre of it, reacting to it after the game, hearing from the fans uh, who get in touch in their droves on social media after a game. Um, and being kind of at the centre of it, that's the, that's the joy, I think, of it, is just being right in the centre of it, dealing with the club, speaking to the managers, speaking to the players um, and being at the heart of it. So absolutely right, it's a dream job. I think, you know, there's a lot of people who would love to, to be in that seat and, and doing that on a, on a Saturday afternoon, definitely. We've had a couple of questions come in, and we will get get to them. Don't don't worry if you've dropped any in. Do please keep them coming. Um, do you think oh, that people like me, but more so in radio, have a more important role this season because fans can't watch the games. The, you know, the BBC is kind of the voice that uh, people uh, follow matches with uh, anyway. But do you think there's even more emphasis on what you guys do this season until fans are allowed back in? Yeah, I think so. I think that obviously a lot of fans who would normally be in the ground uh, are watching the games and hopefully when they're on there, they're remembering to select the right commentary because otherwise you end up listening to the, the away teams. And nobody wants that because that's very disconcerting when you suddenly get a very different view and hear uh, different voices commentate. So, yeah, I, I think so. I think that I think because of the consistency in Radio Nottingham, where we've had Colin Frey, who as a Forest fan and just the voice of Forest over all of those years, everybody knows that voice and everybody has a real sort of a, a attachment and a, a trust in that voice. Um, that I think people have a close relationship with Radio Nottingham, largely down to uh, to Colin and the fact that he's done it for so long and his his voice so passionate when they when they score and you know so hurt when they when they lose and it's you know it's genuine it's not an act you know he, he's he's feeling all of those emotions so I think that we have that relationship and I think certainly at the moment like you say when when fans can't get in yet that inevitably you kind of turn to to the media for a, for a way into it. Um, and, you know, I hope that fans are able to watch the game if, if they can. Otherwise, if they're listening to Radio Nottingham or even following it on social media with the stuff that you guys do and, uh, and whoever else, that they keep able to kind of keep that link somehow 
with the football club in whatever way they choose to do it, in whatever way they're able to do it on a Saturday afternoon or a midweek, because it's important because it, it's it's a bit dangerous at the moment that especially with the news potentially coming out today of you know when football fans might actually be allowed back into grounds, whether it will be October or whether that will now. Uh, because of the news on the restrictions today, might get put back even further. You worry as a football fan that that close relationship you have with the club might get a bit strained. And I, and I, I kind of worry about that a little bit, that um, you know you want to keep in touch, you want to keep that close relationship. And I know that clubs are desperate for that, because if you have a year or two without going to watch your football club and without paying for season tickets, it's very easy to uh, to sort of get out of that rhythm. So I hope that fans are able to keep that link. And if Radio Nottingham is able to help with that um, and increasingly so I think certainly over the last few months that's been the case then you know we're, we're very proud and very very pleased to be able to do it. Um, Craig Shepherd asks a question that probably applies to both of us in interviewing people that I think you can bat away quite easily can you ask David if the post-match questions of the manager are vetted on regular occasions I thought <laughs> why did you ask that question uh, they're not vetted, um, are they? I mean, we're free no, 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 they're not vetted. No, 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 never. Um, um, it, the BBC just has a rule, and I'm, you know, I'm sure you guys do as well. This, we would never, ever conduct an interview where the questions are vetted. Um, and we've, we, we would pull out of any interviews where they say, you must ask this or you mustn't ask this. Then we'll say, no, thank you, we won't do the interview. Um, and, you know, that that happens more outside of sport, I suppose, where people are trying to force you maybe um as a journalist to go you know you can do this interview but this is what you need to ask you need to ask this no 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 no, we're not the one thing we we would do and this isn't to football clubs but this is a general broadcasting rule a general bbc rule it's it's fair to give an interviewee the subject that you're going to ask questions about um but not the question uh, so it, it it might be that if there's something a bit out of the ordinary that you're wanting to ask about um, it's it's just a fair thing to say to them in advance. Look, I'm going to ask you about this today, um, and you can obviously they can choose to answer it however they wish to to answer it. But as a general rule at the BBC, we we, we would do that because it's just fair dealing, um, and it would you know we're we're not really in the business of just routinely just catch people out and, and throw questions at them um, without them having had any time to to think about it. So we do do that. Um, and one example, actually, I remember of that in, in football, I remember going down to Notts County when there was news of uh, um, uh, this club going up for sale and just saying to the manager uh, beforehand, just, I am going to ask you about the sale. It's not necessarily what you normally talk about because football, but I'm going to ask you about the sale. Now, you know, the manager might not be very happy with that. It's none of my business. He said, you know, it's not, not my job, nothing to do with me. OK, but I am going to ask you about it because fans would like your reaction to it. And don't tell him what the questions are ever, but say in a, just a little note in advance, I'm going to ask you about that just to mark your card. And that's fair dealing. But no, 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 no. The questions are never, ever, ever vetted. No. Yeah. And we'd have the same stance at the post. We do it exactly the same way. I'm sure every reputable media organisation would as well. Um, let's talk about football then. Uh, first game of the season was at Barnsley, a 1-0 defeat in the Carabao Cup. And it was... Pretty miserable in terms of yeah. the performance. Um, I mean, I'll be honest, I wasn't that bothered that they lost because it's going to be a lot of games this season into a condensed period. If they lose and they go out early, I'm not fussed. I think a lot of the reaction to it was around the, the actual performance. Um, it didn't go down 
too well, did it, in terms of the kind of lack of chances created? Is that fair to say, David? Yeah, I think um, I, I agree with you. I, I think probably 48 hours after the game, um, people probably then start to think, OK, bigger picture, does it really matter? Not really. You know, they're out of the League Cup. It means we're not going to have loads of fixtures through September. Um, and if one of the big issues of the end of last season was the, the, the players' fitness and squad depth, then maybe given how congested the fixture list is going to get from October onwards, especially when you get towards Christmas, maybe con- getting so many games in September's um, not the best idea. So I, I think the result going out of the competition, ultimately... On a personal note, uh, yeah, I'm not particularly fussed. I don't think any of the clubs that went out of the weekend will be particularly bothered about um, about that fact. I think the annoying thing, the frustrating thing, the thing that really got supporters backs up on uh, on the weekend was, OK, it wasn't necessarily the starting eleven, but that team named was strong enough or should have been strong enough to create more than it did and to, to, to achieve more than it did. And also... Fans are so desperate, and rightly so, for something to cheer at the moment, just for something to cling to. Because at the end of last season, um, with the humiliating way that the season ended, uh, there's a lot of anger. And when there's anger and when there's humiliation, you want to pin blame. And I think that you want to see some action taken. And I think some people want us to see uh, the manager sacked at the end of last season and go, just get rid of We can't have that again. And I, I can understand where that emotion comes from. Uh, and so then what you need to see, obviously the board have then made a decision and said, no, we're going to stick with Sabri Lamushi and we are going to give him an opportunity, which they've done to change the uh, his backroom staff to bring players in, which he's had a bit more control over this summer and say, OK, start the season afresh. And I think supporters, I think we'll remember that last season's the best finish for 10 years and uh, big progress made in many areas over the last 12 months and you go okay now he's made some signings there's a bit more depth up front with Lyle Taylor there's Luke Freeman brought in interesting looking signing that could prove to be a good one if he makes that number 10 role work there this okay this could be good and all you wanted from Saturday if not a result I think was something to cling to something out of that game to say there's progress there's development there's something to not get me down like I felt at the end of last season and I think they weren't given that so after the game came this well hang on a minute it's been several weeks since the game against Stoke you've made signings you've changed everything and you've given me nothing to cling to there and what we actually saw um, against Barnsley was a a, a poor poor performance um, little created and I think that's kind of where the main source of the problem lies, really. It's, a, it's that hangover from last season. And Forrest have pretty quickly going to have to get results, yes, but also show those fans what the difference is going to be this season from what they saw at the end of last season, which was a, just a complete collapse from seeming guaranteed playoffs to slowly it becoming a question mark and then suddenly it, it failing right at the end on the last day when still it seemed unlikely that they'd fail, but but they did. And so it, it's just, I think, just want something, <laughs> just want something to cling to. And Lamushi is going to have to start getting results quickly because he has been given another opportunity um, when no owners take kindly to that, that kind of defeat on the final day and that level of humiliation. So pretty quickly, he's going to have to get that, uh, get this team going uh, for the sake of, 
how the fans feel about it and also for the sake of how the board feel about it. Because if three months down the line we're not seeing progress, then clearly he's, he's going to be under pressure. Yeah, I mean, just a couple of the comments kind of reflect the same thing that you're saying. Craig Stringfellow will sadly not learn to attack. Um, Spencer Paul will the owner adopt a more attacking approach this season. Then he creates also manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that's interesting about a, a, a more attacking. I, I, I quite like a four-two-three-one, and I, I I don't know whether by more attacking, I'd be interested to know what what mean by that. Whether it's the tactics or whether you want to see two up front as we did for about ten minutes. Uh, at the weekend, because he didn't play too up front much last season. And I wonder whether he'd kind of would want to use that more as a second option, but just didn't have the resources last season. I mean, he had his only option last year really would have been Rafa Mir, which it just didn't work when that happened. And mm. Rafa Mir, as we saw when he played, it just didn't happen for him at Forest. I do wonder this year, now you've got Graben and you've got Lyle Taylor, and it, we only saw it for 10 minutes at the weekend. And I don't think he'll start with a four four two. But he has suddenly got two strikers who can score goals at this level. And I wonder whether, at times, we might see him mix it up. I'm only speculating based on the fact that when he brought Taylor on at the weekend for Carvalho, he did go 4-4-2 for, for a bit before then, you know, admittedly changing it all, all around again But uh, by bringing Graben off. But I just wonder about that. I wonder whether we will see two up front sometimes. But I, I, I quite... I like a four-two-three-one. If you've got, if you end up with Freeman in a number ten, and you've got Lolly, Amiobi on the wings, and Graben or Taylor up front, I'd say that's a pretty attacking four players you've got there in front of a two defensive midfielders. I'd say that is pretty attacking. Now, it, yes, it kind of works on a counter attack. I kind of get, I get that. That is kind of how Forest um, uh, are strongest because they can maybe soak a bit of pressure, use the defensive midfielders to get the ball up, and then. And then break, but I I quite I quite like that. I quite like watching that. When that works, I I think that's it's fast, it's exciting. I I like it. I don't think you necessarily need to be putting teams under pressure for the for the whole ninety minutes to win games. If if what you've got is a system that works and makes the best use of the the players you've got. I find those other comments. I'll just read them out quickly. Uh, Dean Brooks says nothing's changed. No possession. No creativity. Boring Fabry football. And then Jeff Smith said it's the attitude as much as the formation. The lack of intent. Um, is that is the problem? Is this the case with all football fans that one win changes everything? And if they beat QPR, the whole mood will be completely different. Do you think? Um, well, the mood will be different if they if they beat QPR because that that's they're the ones that matter, aren't they? And suddenly it's, it becomes one win out of one, and we can all just uh, forget what happened at Barnsley. I think as well, you know, when you see the team on Saturday, it it will I think inevitably be different. I think you'll see five or six changes. Um, and I know I get those comments that it's not just about the team, it's not just about the setup, it's about the intent of the players. And I'd, I'd agree, I think those players, I'm sure, given Sabri Lamouche's mood in his interview pitch side after the game, I think those players probably had a bit of explaining to do about why they didn't uh, create more and why they didn't put more in. Um, I think Lamouche wanted to win that game. He didn't go into that game saying, I don't care, it's only the League Cup. I think he's well aware of his position and the fact that he's uh, been given another chance this season. And I think he is wanting to get wins as quickly as possible and as many of them as possible, regardless of the competition. So I, I don't think he went into it in, in that way. So I think the players will have, uh, have had some, some serious questions to answer uh, from several Lemouchef after that game. And I'm sure he had some strong words for them in the dressing room as well. So, yeah, I think, um, I think that once we get back to the league, 
if they go to QPR and win, and blimey, we've seen some goals at QPR, by the way, over, over the last few years. I was I was commentating on the game. They won 5-2. Say with Steve Hodge commentating on that game. Ben Brereton got at least one. Matty Cash scored as well. And then they got four, didn't they, the other year with um, Xiao Carvalho. So hopefully, hopefully we'll see something similar if Forrest play an attacking lineup and we get um, get something like that this weekend. Yeah, if they go there and win, I think we can all look at it and say, OK, it was a different eleven that played opening day. It didn't happen. First day of the season, League Cup, we're out. We don't care. Write that off and move on. The sooner it happens for Sabri Lemusha, the better, because... Pressure from many supporters, I think, will mount if not only they lose, but if fans don't see something, don't see enough in those performances to warrant his um, the, the trust that the board have put in him this season. I think the board will give him a lot longer than that, uh, but I think I think supporters need to see, and understandably so, need to see something to cling to. And I think once they get that, you know, I think on the whole, fans like Sabri Lemusha. I think they like what he's like what he's doing. I think they generally like him. Uh, we had a lot of positive comments to um, a video we put up of Sabri Limushi talking about the sale of Matty Cash. And uh, I think that they uh, just like listening to the way he explained things. He's very diplomatic. He can explain things very well and understands, I think, the supporters and, and the club as a whole. So I think there will be that patience with him to an extent, as long as fans have something to to, to grab to and, and to, to use as... Um, evidence to themselves, really, to to help back Sambri. Uh, you, you mentioned the lineup there. I'll just go through the lineup at Barnsley, and we can see how many of these we think are going to be regulars. So we had yeah. um, Sambri in goal. Um, it's up on the screen for those watching on Facebook, but I'll read it out for those who listen later. Sambri in goal. Jordan Gabriel making his debut at right back. Figueredo Blackett making his debut. Ribeiro Bashiru new signing. Uh, and Yates has holding with fielders. And then De Costa and Amiobi out wide, Carvalho as a 10, and Graben up front. I would only say five of those players would be regulars. Do you think that's about right? Samba, Figueredo, Ribeiro, Amiobi, Graben? I think that's about it. Um, yes, I'd say so. I'd say it, right back will be interesting, won't it? I thought it was interesting that he played Jordan Gabriel at the weekend. I'm guessing probably someone more senior, maybe Dericka will come in at the weekend. I think, yeah, um, uh, you'll still have Ribeiro at left back. You'll have Figueredo. You'll bring Worrell in probably into the centre of that defence. You've then got Colback to come into um, a defensive midfield, maybe with Basharu. Um, depends if So's fit, I suppose, as well. And then you're probably going to go Lolly, Amiobi and, and Freeman up, yeah, behind Graben. So, yeah, I'd say it's kind of half of a uh, of what will become a regular starting eleven. I do wonder whether he's got enough options to start mixing it up a little bit. I, I hope he has throughout the season because it, it, I think we saw at the end of last season just having a, a, a set eleven. you just you can't do it. It's going to be harder this year with a congested fixture list. You know, I look at the fixtures and think eight games through December and think if you've got um, players playing week in, week out after a, a, a shorter pre-season as well. Um, I just I just wonder, and I, and I get that people will say it's no excuse, and, and I, yeah, okay, fine, but if you can mix it up, if you have got that ability to mix it up to rest players where, where you can, um, then you're going to be in a whole healthier state. And I think up front, Forrest have now got that for the first time in ages where you can maybe say, OK, we'll put Graben on the bench this time, we'll start Lyle Taylor up front. And if those two can both be getting goals, and maybe working in a, in a two up front, or maybe if they're taking 
time off each other in, in on their own up front. Fantastic. Um, you know, Freeman, I expect probably to be in the 10, but if he can move um, out wide enough for a different option, he's played out there before, then maybe there's a possibility of bringing like Silver into the 10. You can, you can maybe mix things up there a little bit. You've got Yates who can come in defensive. Uh, you've got Blackett who signed maybe can uh, be in there as well sometimes. So I'm, I'm hoping that we have got that. I don't feel like we, Forrest had enough depth um, last season uh, at all. And I'm hoping that what Forrest have got this year is uh, is enough um, to, to enable that to happen because I think it, it cost them last year, really. Yeah, I think Guerrero is an interesting signing just in terms yeah. of depth. I mean, I, I've not seen him kick a ball, but it sounds like he's that kind of battering ram forward who can come off the bench and, you know, change a game. I'm not a bit have Forrest be quite so one-dimensional. I'd still like to see them sign a winger, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. But like you say, David, Freeman can play out wide. And then there's the age-old Jao Carvalho question about if he fits <laughs> in or not. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't sound like he did too much at Barnsley. I've not seen the whole game. Um, that's taking you 24 minutes. So it, it, often when you talk about Forrest with anybody, the name Jao Carvalho comes up well before the 24-minute mark. Uh, because he's just, I, I, how do you how do you answer the question about Carvalho? I don't know because mm. I've I've seen matches. I remember um, covering the game against Sheffield United when he just a little turn, a little bit of magic, and he whips the ball in. Lewis Graben scores, and and they win the game one 0 And you go home remembering that one moment of magic in an otherwise dull game. But nagging in your head is, but if someone else had played, well, they already have been two 0 up by then. Mm. Um, you know, and. You you never get the answer to that, do you? And he, he is an incredibly frustrating player. I hear people saying, well, maybe if Forrest went up, he'd be more use in the Premier League maybe than he is in the Championship. I don't I don't know. I'm not sure. I think if you think of some of the best players in the Premier League, I'd say they could all probably make it in the Championship as well. So I don't know whether there is necessarily that exact divide of he's a Premier League player, not a Championship player. I don't know. But I, I, I think when we saw Silver play that role, I think you probably got more from him through the 90 minutes than you would have done Carvalho other times. You just don't get necessarily those wonderful little bits of magic that he's capable of. And and, and it's a bit like when with Henry Lansbury, I remember he'd turn it on sometimes and, and just run a game and you'd think, fantastic, do that, you know, do that every week. And then he didn't. And it, and it's incredibly frustrating. Um, and I'm, I'm not going to end up with a conclusion for you here, Matt, by the way. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what the answer is. If, if a manager can find a way of getting him in the team and performing the way he can consistently and actually providing that threat enough to justify keeping someone else out of the team, then great. But when, when more than one and now two managers are not picking him, then you think, well, maybe maybe there's a reason for that. Just much in the same way as the age-old Ben Osborne question, and people say he shouldn't be in the team, you go, well, manager after manager after manager has picked him. When you've got a player who several managers haven't picked, you think, well, are, are, they, are they all wrong? Um, or do we need, it, does Carvalho need to do something else, something a bit different, something a bit more to, get, to guarantee a regular place in the team? Uh, despite those bits of magic that we know we can, it can provide, if those managers are saying, well, actually, I think I can get more through the 90 minutes, it's more benefit to the team to have this than him, then, you know, ultimately, yeah, they're the sort of decisions managers live and die by, and they're the ones that they're paid the money to, to make. 
True. Uh, Spencer Paul here says, Barnsley commentators couldn't understand why we took him off. He was our best player. Do you think, uh, obviously you wouldn't have heard that from that's the other camp, but no. do you think he, he, must, <laughs> he must drive, do you think he drives the Mooty mad? Because obviously he's so talented. Do you think he must really wind managers up in that sense, mustn't he? If, he? if he can't get the best out of him. Or is it yeah. on a manager to get the best out of him? But you get those players, don't you? I think, I think as a manager, you'd, you'd want those uh, flair players around. You know, you want to have a mixture of your solid kind of six, seven out of tens that are going to just perform like that every week. And then you, you have a little bit of flair here and there. And, you know, you can, they can make things happen. And you want those around. And Amiobi's similar. You know, Amiobi can go missing in games. And some days, you know, the ball seems to just bounce off his shin. And then the next time he, he turns something on and you think, Wow, you know what? What a player! So big, strong, and you see him against uh, against Leeds, wasn't it? He charged down the left and and got the shot into the bottom corner. Brilliant goal, um, and that that bit of magic, I think, was away at Leeds as well. Actually, that ended up as a um, as a gift that was going round and round and round on uh, on social media as well. They just he can be absolutely outstanding. But uh, you know that is probably what you get at Championship level players where they can produce wondrous bits of skill um, and but maybe not do it all the time. And I, I think he, he is frustrating. I, I'm sure that not just Lamushi, but managers before that would look at Carvalho and say, please give, 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 me, give me a bit more and I can get you into this team and you can win as matches and you can get us up. But maybe at the moment, um, I'm happy to speculate because I haven't sat watching training every day, clearly. Um, but you, maybe they're just looking at it saying, well, look, you, you're not quite giving me enough in the other parts of your game, and he's, you know, gives the ball away a lot. You're not giving me enough um, in the rest of your game to to warrant the inclusion, despite those 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 little moments when, yeah, you might win it, me, but you might not. And if you don't, then what was the point of you being in the team? Um, so it, immensely frustrating, immensely frustrating. But uh, you know, we've had those players. Those players have existed for, for years. And if you go abroad and just talk about a player like that. Any football fan you meet will know exactly what you mean and will have somebody just like that in their ranks as well. Um, let's talk about QPR then, the first game of the season away at Loftus Road on Saturday, first league game, I should say. Uh, to me, it's the perfect game because, like you said before, Forests have a good record there. QPR, as a Warburton team, have a bit of a reputation of being a bit flimsy. Forests style of picking them off which we've criticised or people are criticising here might actually be perfect for a game like this do you think it's set up for Forrest to get off to a good start Touchwood? Yeah I hope so um, I hope so and maybe you know um, although they, they kind of played a sort of uh, um, an away game even at, at home at times haven't they with counter-attacking but the way they like to play I think may well may well work there it has worked there in recent years of course and Say so I remember them, you know, scoring four with Carvalho, getting uh, getting one of the goals, um, and uh, I remember them going and scoring five as well. I'm not sure how much that counts for today, because I remember when we played QPR at home not that long ago, and everybody was quoting the stats about QPR have never beaten Forest mm. at the City Ground, and you know, you know these things always um, backfire, don't they? But yeah, it, it 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 could be, it could be. It's a, hopefully a good chance for us to get a proper look at. Uh, the new signings, uh, a proper chance to see how they're going to settle, a proper chance to get uh, uh, an uh, actual starting eleven um, for uh, for this season. Um, I, th- I hope Samba So's fit. If we can get Samba So into that midfield to offer that drive and 
getting those tough tackles and that that might help push Forrest on. I hope he's fit. I don't know if he is. If if not, then that'll be the job for Colback coming back into the team to try and you know make things happen from there. And if we can start to see uh, that sort of front three behind the striker of uh, Amiobi Lolly. Freeman, I'm, I'm excited by that. I'm excited by that. And I think uh, there could be goals in it. I hope so. Um, and so it, 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 could be, it could be an ideal start. Um, or we could be, you know, you could be doing this next week saying, well, you know, it's only the first game and <laughs> it'll take time for players to settle. And, you know, it will. This is the other danger, I think, at the moment, that you've got to remember that there are several new signings and it will change to an extent the way that, uh, the Forest play, and we have got to give that a little bit of time. Um, and Lamouche has changed not just uh, some of the playing staff, but his coaching staff. And there's quite a fair bit changed in a short period of time here. And I think if the board have decided to back him and have decided to let him do this and dictate what transfers are made in the summer and change the backroom staff and the coaching staff, then they also have to back that up and give that time to work. Um, and I think supporters, we have to kind of, kind of do that as well, really, um, and not after one defeat at QPR, if that's what happens this week, throw the toys out of hand and say, right, time, time to change it, time to change it. Because actually he's, he's made a lot of changes this summer. He's speaking to him before the first game. He said, Look, I've learned a lot over the last year and I've seen what's needed in this, in this division. And, and now, you know, I'm delighted to be getting a chance to start again. And you don't often at Forest see managers starting two seasons. And so we, I think we have to give him uh, that opportunity to let those changes settle and to, to let, it, let it work and give it every chance to work. Because you, what you don't want to be doing is sacking a manager too soon, making another change and lurching from one master plan to yet another master plan too early in this season. If it doesn't work, um, you know, in several months time and it's just completely not happening um then okay but you know you've got if you're going to back Lamushi, you've then got to give those decisions time i think uh, we have a tradition on the podcast that everyone has to predict the score for the weekend and if people want to drop their their predictions in the comments as well i'll read some of those out for how they think forest is going to get on what's your prediction david um well they always get goals there don't they so um It'd be silly to not predict that they'll get goals. Uh, and I think with the attacking options they've got now, um, and I think that they will win. I'm going to say they're going to win, aren't I? I'm bound to. Uh, I'll go for I'll go for a 2-0. Okay, I'm going to go just because it's early in the season. I don't know whether you get necessarily loads and loads of goals too early in the season, generally. So I'm going to go safe. 2-0 win Forest. I'm going to go 2-1 Forest or at worst 2-2 and um, concede in the last minute. But I think no, I do think I'll win. <laughs> do Forest do that? <laughs> I've not heard that they might do. Uh, just read a couple out. Um, Paul Stewart, 3-1 Forest. Paul Beasley, 3-1 Forest. Spencer Paul, 2-0 Forest. And um, Scott Davis, 2-1 Forest. And who do you think deserves to be captain this season? Uh, will that be Worrell, do you think? Yeah, if he's there. I mean, that's the other question, isn't it? There's been obviously talk about him going and whether he'll end up at Burnley being talked about. Heard, you know, that's kind of been going around for a little bit, hasn't it? I hope he is. Um, yeah, I could I could see him as captain. Maybe Colback um, might uh, might want to take that on as well. Grabbin captained them at the weekend, didn't he? I don't 
see that as a as, as a long term option. So yeah, I'd probably go for I'd probably go for Worrell. I think he's kind of uh, he's he's vocal, he's passionate, um, and uh, I kind of like a centre half to be um, to be the captain. Kind of it just fits, you know. I can I I, I can see him there, but yeah, I, I'd I'd if it's Colback as well, that they're the, they're the two. Colback's very experienced in the middle of the park. I, I can see him. I can see him doing that as well. Uh, and last week, your BBC Radio Nottingham colleague was put on the spot, Chris Ellis, to predict where Forest will finish through the whole course of the season. And I think he said second. I said second, anyway, for sure. Yeah. Um, let's put you on the spot and see where they'll be after 46 games. What do you think? Um, after 46 games, I think... Um, I'm going to assume that it might be a little bit of a slower start, but then they'll pick up. So I'm going to go... Third. Third. Excellent. People can drop their comments in for that as well, but I'll switch to tack for the last five minutes before um, I have to go and get my son from school. Um, <laughs> uh, it's a very professional operation. Um, and I wanted to ask a question by, from Andrew Brooks that relates to uh, what we do and just in general about uh, the way social media is. Andrew Brooks, uh, interested to hear your take on social media. Uh, uh, is it a great way to connect with fans through readers or does it give an outside voice to the loudest and most extreme voices or both? Um, and then people can read the whole thing on the screen, but that's the gist of it. Uh, obviously, we both take a bit of praise and a lot of flack, I guess, on social media for our organisations and sometimes personally. Uh, what's your view on mostly Twitter, I guess, this would be? Yeah, um, I mean, I've I've had, you know, when I've commentated on Forest and uh, I found that, uh, I remember a game particularly away at Blackpool where it didn't go. Uh, well, did they did they lose? I think I've drawn one all, but it, it it was a terrible, terrible game. And you know, you're trying to cover for Colin Frey, who the fans love and have that attachment to. And then you're there as a commentator, and people generally don't like change in that respect. So yeah, you get a bit of stick for things like that. And at first, I remember. I didn't like it very much and I can imagine what it'd be like for a footballer after they've played badly and then they kind of stick their phone on in the evening and get that and it's it can be hurtful it can be damaging and it's not it's not very helpful and in that sense what Andrew says is right it does give a um it does give a a, a voice to the minority and it and it gives that voice directly into the mind of the person that that it's aimed at whether it be me on that occasion or um yeah, more often in, in, into footballers, so it, you then have to just develop a, uh, a thick skin to deal with it. And and the way to do that, I think, is understand where it's coming from, and largely where that anger comes from, is just a is a frustration, of wanting somebody to blame, um, and so it, it does boil over in Twitter. Um, I don't particularly like that. I tend to not put much personal stuff out on Twitter anymore because I just think you're opening yourself up to a lot of people who um, you don't really necessarily want to open that stuff up to really. So I, I've tended to shy away from that. Whereas early on, probably on Twitter, I was a bit more, although I think early on on Twitter, when I had about a hundred followers when we first started, I think it was a, a far friendlier um, atmosphere on there it felt like everybody almost knew everybody and it was lovely and then very quickly it kind of grew out of control and then you know that you, you start to get more sort of unpleasant comments but I just mute them now so I don't I don't bother so I, I kind of like the idea maybe that some are still giving me stick and they'll they'll never know that I haven't haven't read any of it so um, I, 
generally speaking, generally speaking, I really like it. I, um, I'm an advocate for it, really, because um, I think that it, it does give you a chance to put those questions to to people who who should be asked questions of. And, you know, the first question we got, um, you know, about uh, do you get questions, your questions vetted? Absolutely. If you've got that worry, if you've got that question, if you've got that concern, then we should be here to be able to answer those questions for you. And I think clubs should be able to be there to be held accountable and answer those questions. So I think social media is fantastic for that. Um, I just think it should be used to, ask questions and do that responsibly rather than hurl abuse uh, because that just doesn't help anybody. But, you know, that's more, people say it's a, it's a symptom of um, social media, probably just of society, really. It just means that people can do it on social media. And generally it's people who don't put their real name or their real face on because they, they don't want it back um, and they just want to hide. And that tells you everything you need to know about those people anyway. Yeah, true. I agree with that. I think it's mostly positive. I'm probably too guilty of putting personal views on too much. Uh, most yeah. people know my political views, <laughs> so I'm not doing that. Um, uh, yeah, well, when it gets personal, I think it goes too much. I think you have to have the filter of, if I saw you in the street, would I say that to you? And too often people just um, don't have that filter turned on. But, but, but um, often they're doing it right at the, maybe right at the end of a game when, yeah. you know, for me as a commentator, I've just commentated on a game where they've, I don't know, conceded a late goal at Blackpool. Of course they're angry and I'm the messenger. So, of course, they, you know, they direct it at you. And I, so I can completely understand where it comes from. But and maybe for a bit it makes them feel better as they walk away. But I would hope that 24, 48 hours later they think, yeah, Probably, probably shouldn't have done that. Maybe they don't. I just like to think that maybe they do. And I haven't. I have to say, I haven't had much. It's just occasional things that I, I look back on and remember. Maybe kind of three or four over the over the years, and think, yeah, that that wasn't very nice. Um, and you know, never mind um, questions or you know criticism about the BBC uh, decisions that we've made or whatever. Absolutely, ask questions and and criticize and disagree if you like. I, I, that's what we should be there for should be held accountable for that just just don't don't make it personal really. oh yeah some of the abuse i mean I, i'm like you i don't get it very often i think it's more the abuse our main football writers get within our company uh mm-hmm. is terrible i mean paul taylor used to get it uh it was relentless it was ridiculous but yeah generally i think it's um a pretty good tool and it's more beneficial than negative uh Overall, I hope that answers your question, Andrew. I think we addressed that in quite a, a good length. Um, I think that brings us to the end, David. So thank you very much to everyone who uh, watched along, asked questions to us. Uh, and thank you very much to you, David. Hope you enjoyed it. I did. Thank you. I'll be back anytime you like. Excellent. And we will definitely be back next week to talk about what we hope is uh, a win at QPR and a positive start to the season. And we hope everyone has a good weekend uh, in the meantime, and we'll catch you soon. Thanks very much. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.